0: In our text this morning, we have the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Uh, It's the first thing he sort of officially does. We see this in the Gospel of Luke. Um, It's after his baptism, after his temptation. He goes to a synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. Um, And it seems like all is going well. And then it doesn't. (laughs) So this is our text for this morning because it is from the Gospel and it includes the words of our Lord Jesus. Would you please stand? And he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, There are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, a widow, a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha and none of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of town and brought him to the brow of a hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today, um, as we're going through the sermon series, what he said, we're talking about resistance, but today, specifically, resistance to the truth. Resistance to the truth is an interesting concept, because the truth is something we all want to know. We we all want to be right. I remember this one time, um, I was in a conversation with somebody, and they said, oh, you just always want to be right Well, of course, (laughs) and if I'm wrong, I'll change my mind, and then I'll be right. Like, nobody wants to stay wrong, but the thing is, we get pretty good at telling ourselves a lie. In fact, the first point of the sermon is we love a good lie. We love a good lie when it comes to the, the lie confirming something that we believe is true. As I was doing preparation for this message, uh, I was reading a lot about this, this phenomenon of self-deception, of lying to ourselves. And it, it dawned on me that what it's like is, is this um, resistance to, to what they would call technically, clinically cognitive dissonance. Now, there's, there's two kinds of cognitive dissonance out there. We're going to go with a specific one where, where you've got something, a, a line of thought, a worldview, or an understanding that seems to just kind of flow, and it all jives with itself. It's, it's harmonic. What do I mean by that? Well, this morning, I, I decided to throw Sarah a curveball and be like, can you do this on a piano? So she's going to give us some notes that are in perfect harmony. Ready? Go nice. That seems lovely. Beautiful. (laughs) It's not super technical playing, but it's all sort of in harmony. But what if one of those notes had dissonance to it? What if it wasn't in the right place? You don't really like that, do you? It's it's still, the, the piano didn't change, it's still a nice piano. The player didn't change, it's still the same player with the same skill, but there's something in the wrong place. That's all I needed, thank you, give her a round of applause best sermon she's ever preached, right? Which, by the way, I love in the, uh, in the text this morning, Jesus' first sermon is entirely this, "Today, scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. How much would you love for me to do one-sentence sermon and we can go home and catch kickoff, right? Like, that would be great. But, unless you're a Bears fan, in which you don't want to watch kickoff, that's not going to go well for you guys, but, <laughs> or a punt return, you're not going to want to see that, Right? Sorry, Doug. (laughs) (laughs) Too soon? Too soon. That's okay. (laughs) But that cognitive dissonance, when something doesn't fit, it's worse when that something that doesn't fit is how we understand the world. We love a good lie when it resolves that cognitive dissonance. As we're going through a thought or we're viewing the world, we want it to all be in harmony, the problem is, is when it comes to what is true and what it, when it comes to how we see the most important things in the world, we have to look outside of ourselves. And that's not something we've been taught to do. We've been taught the truth, oh, it's in you when you were born. The truth is already a, a part of your existence. And you have to explore that. We have to find your own truth as though it, it can be subjective and, and malleable and different people's truths can be different. We've been taught all of these things, but then our worldview kind of smacks up against something that we're looking at and, and this evidence doesn't line up. And instead of... Changing our worldview to match what seems to be true in front of us, we get really good at lying to ourselves and saying that isn't true. But we do this all the time. Don't think that because I'm preaching this sermon, I don't do it. Right? I, I tend not to get into like real heated debates, especially online. But I'll I'll have these conversations with people whose viewpoints are different from mine and. I always have that temptation to be like, well, let's look for the studies that fit what I already want them to fit. Let's look for all the research that agrees with me. Let's look for those things first because I don't want to adjust my worldview. I want to keep my idea very harmonious all the way through. Everyone does it. Don't don't think for a second you're the only one. Don't think for a second that it's unique to you, but also do not think for a second that you don't do it. Dan used this text this morning, and I love it. It's from 1 John. We're going to put it up on the screen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we start with that concept, we're lying to ourselves that we aren't sinners. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Jesus himself, and I don't have this one on the screen, because sometimes I think if you read it on the screen, you're not paying quite as much attention. You get the data, but not the feel to it. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, is standing in front of Pilate, who holds his life in his hands, and he says, uh, Pilate asked him first, "Uh, you're a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? 2,000 years ago, when faced with the truth, standing in front of him, (laughs) when faced with the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Pilate's like, "Uh, what is even true? What is even real? Man, we have this this struggle in us. And it's because I believe at the end of the day, if you just keep boiling it down, it all comes down to the first commandment. It all comes down to the fact that we aren't God. That we aren't him. I mean, I know people, myself included, who have struggled with this over the years, and it's not as though one day I wake up and be like, I think I'm God. I, I think like I've created the heavens and the earth. No, that's that's not what I mean when I when I say we think we're God. What it means is we think that we are higher than we ought to be. We put ourselves in a position where we think that the world, maybe even God, is here for a purpose to suit my needs, my worldview, my thoughts, my ideas. And when those things don't work out, it's not me. It's them. (laughs) It's the world. It's something that's broken out there, but I know it can't be me. That's lying to yourself as though you're not a sinner, as though there's nothing wrong with you. Man, I have seen this so many times in myself where I've, I've, I've had an issue over and over and over again. Maybe it's a relational issue, and I just keep thinking, man, turns out everybody's a narcissist. <laughs> turns out everybody, that's, that's a very common one, turns out everybody always has this problem with me, and man, I can't believe how everyone is wrong in the same way. <laughs> what am I doing? I'm lying to myself. I can't believe my, my spouse is always this, this, and this. I can't believe my kids are always this. I can't believe my girlfriend or boyfriend or th- this, this problem. I see it everywhere. That problem is everywhere. Maybe the problem is here or here. Maybe it's you. And, and we're not even quick to think that way, to think to ourselves, oh, my goodness, maybe it's me. And that attitude, that, that frame of mind is so common in humanity. It's, it's really that first sin, the I want to be God's sin. I want to be something I'm not. I want to be without flaw, without, without error, with, without any. I just want to be what I think I am, always right. <laughs> like that, that person said to me, you think you're always right. No, I've learned a secret. And learn this secret I'm not always right, but when I'm wrong, I am quick to flip. Why? Why stay wrong? I am not my own ideas, and I am not the source of truth. If I know something or have something right, it's because it's been revealed to me. We don't know anything by nature, we don't know what is true when we're born. When you were a little kid, little, little kid, and you looked up and you saw the moon, and you might have been like, what is that thing? Well, somebody had to tell you. And somebody had to tell you at some point when you were a kid, for most of us, that it wasn't made of cheese, right? Like Step one, okay, it's not made of cheese, but, but what is it? Do you know that there was, there was a lot of conversation around this when we were sending people to the moon, one of the thoughts was there might be 10, 12 feet of dust how are we going to land safely? Will, will the, the lander just sink in the dust? What happens? We get there and there's like a thin layer. We didn't know that. Now we do know that. How would we know that unless we went and measured the dust? You don't know what is true by, by just by yourself, guessing, by nature. You have to figure out. The truth exists apart from your opinion. The truth exists apart from your ideas or how you feel about something. Something is true. But like I said in the, in the children's message, it doesn't always make it simple. Truth is so complex. <laughs> when, when we look at this issue in the Middle East, and I'm not going to get political on this, I promise. I'm not going to be that guy. Look at the, the issue in the Middle East. We go, well, these, these people say they, they're occupying their land. It's been like 40 years they've been in occupation. Well, these people say, yeah, but you were occupying it you know, when it was our land for 400 years. It was, well, but then you occupied it before that. I know, but then you took it from us. And that goes back so far. There's your problem. <laughs> What's the truth? Well, they're both telling the truth. They both, at one point, had the land, and then the land got taken, given to somebody else, and then taken, and given to somebody else, and taken. So who's right? Well, they're all right. But what is the resolution to this? That's the problem, is, oh, man. When it comes to resolving the disharmony, where we go, I don't know which of these things, how to solve this problem, I don't know what the truth is, the truth is, is found, like Dan said, in Jesus. But <laughs> when you find that truth, you discover this is not the Jesus you've been looking for. <laughs> Little Star Wars in there. This is not the Jesus you're looking for. The Jesus that the people in his hometown were looking for was uh, flashy, shiny, cool, did cool tricks. And Jesus knew that. When he reads this text, it's a, it's a phenomenal text because he says, um, in, the, in the midst of it, when he's reading Isaiah, he sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And that's easily read two ways the, the way in which that is read, because it can be translated liberty, freedom to set the captives free. It can also be read forgiveness. See, this is what Jesus is is really about. What he's offering here is not only this physical manifestation of the kingdom where where people who are set captive to things like blindness, as he says, the blind will see and all of these things. Yes, we, we are held captive. There are people who are held captive. They were born Captive to blindness, to to diseases, to brokenness. And Jesus comes and physically frees them from that. But more significant, that's evidence of the more significant thing, which is He sets people spiritually free. He lets people know what is true, He He lets people know what is real, the kingdom of God. The forgiveness of sins, the the life everlasting, the solution to the problem of this sinful, broken world is not making the sinful, broken world better. The solution to this problem is a new heavens and a new earth, the resurrection. Man, this is such a powerful truth that, that we as Americans are so quick to not remember or recognize because we got it so good. And you do. You've got it really good. And I, and I know some of you are like, I don't have it that good. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. And this is where I always have to be careful just coming back from these, these trips. There are people born in a refugee camp, and they have zero way out. So, so take your American brain and bash it against the wall because it's not going to work in the refugee camp. Like, so maybe if they work really hard, they can't. There's no work. And let's say we're talking about a third generation, meaning I was born in this refugee camp, and so was my dad. It was my, my grandparents who were pushed out of their country who are now living in this refugee camp. So what am I going to do to get out? Because being born here means I have a birth certificate from Kenya, but Kenya goes, well, you're not a Kenyan, right? You're a refugee, so we put your home country there. Sudan, South Sudan, Eritrea, Ethiopia, whatever it may be. Well, Ethiopia is like, well, you're not a citizen here. You weren't born here. In fact, you've never even been here. So what do you do with that birth certificate? You don't get a job in Kenya. You don't get a job in Ethiopia. You can't leave. You can't go anywhere. There's nothing to do where you are, but just stick to it. (laughs) Work harder. You'll find a way out. No, you won't. That's a situation that is, it's hard for Americans to actually understand this. That is hopeless, physically. They're sick. Um, their, their bodies are broken. They're born with diseases. They're born with these things. There is no hope. We're not fixing it. I'm not going there and, and healing all the blind and, and lame people. That <laughs> Nobody is. There, there's no way to, to manage it. There's no way out. It's physically hopeless, so you should sign up and go. <laughs> that does sound like the worst pitch ever. <laughs> I know, I realize that, but what do we discover there? That the physical is so limited, so broken, so, so hopeless that they don't lie to themselves and, and think like we sometimes do, I can get myself out of this, or if I work hard enough, or if I do the right things, meet the right people, the right circumstances, if those things happen, maybe I'll be set free of the refugee camp. They don't think that way. So when you come and you say, I have a hope that I can proclaim to you that isn't of this broken world. I'm not going to lie to you and say, if you believe in Jesus enough, you get out of the refugee camp. No, I say, if Faith is yours. If you believe, you'll have eternal life. And when you have eternal life, though you die here in refugee camp, you'll be raised from the dead in a a whole new place where everything is beautiful and, and this body of yours that has been hungry and thirsty and tired and sick, your whole life will be renewed and it will never be hungry, never be tired, never be thirsty and always function perfectly. That's Good news for those people. It's also good news for you. It's good news for each and every one of us because nobody's body is perfect. And we all have our own aches and pains. They're not as bad over there, but you still have them. We still have these same issues and problems of, of this life, but the solution is not work out harder, eat better, go to your doctor, those things, because they'll only get you so far. You're still going to die. The solution is Jesus. We don't love this solution because we want to be a bigger part of this story. We like to think things like, Jesus is my co-pilot, right? me and him together are going to do this life we're going or even Jesus take the wheel I'll be the co-pilot and and like we'll both be together on the, or we pray that Jesus would come and intervene in our lives we have hope in this savior that will save us from the bad situation remove the, the troubles we have in our lives give us a better day whatever it is we we hope that that's what Jesus does and and he did for some people <laughs> He healed the blind, the lame walked. That's all true for some people, but our Jesus, our Jesus truly wasn't sent to rescue us from these things in this lifetime. In fact, uh, let's do Romans. I got Romans passage on this one. I think I maybe skipped one, and that's okay. Uh, Then Jesus, oh, here we go. But now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. This, just absorb this. Set free from sin, meaning you are a slave to sin. But you've become a slave to God. You don't have the option of being God and being, being the master. Of, of mastering, of owning yourself. You don't have that option. You can be a slave to sin, or you can be a slave to God. But Jesus says, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. If you, if you are a slave to Christ, well, the fruit is a, is a gift of sanctification, meaning you become more and more like him, and the end of that is eternal life. What happens when we become more and more like Jesus? Did Jesus duck out of the difficult times? Did did Jesus avoid sorrow and suffering? He wept when his friend Lazarus died. He, he cried over Jerusalem. He, he was in angst and, and emotional pain. He suffered the consequences of a sinful world. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And then even goes to the cross where he is beaten. He is bloodied. He is he's torn up and then humiliated and murdered and then to the grave. So when we are slaves to Christ, that's what we're binding ourselves to. When we're a slave to Christ, He He embraces us and we are bound to Him and we go through this same life of difficulties, trials, and tribulations, trusting that the same way He went into the ground and came out alive, we're going into the ground. But we're coming out alive. That's the hope of the gospel. That's the truth. And the, the toughest, hard truth that's out there that Americans and everybody faces, it may not be the trials of a refugee camp or hunger or politics or people in your land. It's not any of those things. Here's the truth. You're going to die, every one of us. No matter how hard you try to avoid that, that hard, difficult truth, you're going to. It's going to happen to you. Will you be bound to the one who died and rose again? Will you be be enchained to him? Just imagine Jesus going into the ground as they're laying him. Imagine yourself just wrapped in chains around Jesus. Not free. not, Not powerful. Not glorious. Not victorious. Not a champion. But just bound with him and stuffed into the ground. Well, he came out. And when we're bound to him that way, we come out of the ground as well. And the people in Jesus' time, as he's telling them this, they don't like it. They don't like it. In fact, they're upset because they want the Jesus that, that so many of us want. Do the cool tricks you did at Capernaum. Do the things where, like, blind people see That's so cool. In fact, it's really cool because maybe my child is sick. Can you you do that thing? Make them well. It would be really cool if you could do this trick and make that thing happen or this trick and make that thing. It would be great if you could show us how powerful and how amazing. See, they are looking to affirm, yeah, our guy from Nazareth. How cool is that? Aren't we cool? We got this Jesus who does all the cool stuff. How many of us want to post that on Instagram? How cool is our Jesus? Man, I am blessed, so blessed. My house, my car, all of these things. Thank you, Jesus, for making me a winner. Uh -uh. No, that's not the Jesus that that you'll find if you're looking for him. (laughs) You're going to find the Jesus who goes, walk with me through the pain and suffering. Don't lie to yourself that your life is going great. Don't lie to other people <laughs> to be like, I am great. Everything is fine. You're not. I'm not. Nobody here is. Yeah. On your way out, look around. Look at all the happy, smiley faces. People dressed nicely for church. People who are, who are happy. People who've enjoyed. People who are in a, in a, they look like they're in a good place. They're not okay. Nobody who comes to this place is like, I got it all figured out. I'm good. I hope they're not trying to lie to you, by the way. We're not a bunch of people who are liars. If you see people who have that joy and have things figured out in this room, I'll tell you what what they're thinking. I'll tell you what they're feeling. (laughs) Man, my life is a mess. But I'm bound to Jesus. And you know what? Eternally, that works out. (laughs) <laughs> and, and my tomorrow is going to be rough, and the day after that is going to be tough. I'm in this relationship that's not working out. I'm, I'm at this job I hate, and Jesus isn't going to bless me and take that away and give me the CEO position of, you know, Charlie's Chocolate Factor or something cool. Like, that's not happening. But here's what's happening, is you're living with this new thing called Hope. That isn't found in this world, but it's rooted to the world that is to come. You might walk out of here, same circumstances, difficult life, tough things going on. Don't lie to yourself or to anybody else. Because at the end of the day, when it comes to our witness and proclamation, just like with Jesus, you can't tell anybody anything. That's the last point in the sermon. You, you just can't tell anybody anything. <laughs> not today, not ever if you have kids you know you can't tell kids anything <laughs> right but you can show them you can show them and how do you show kids something like well, be honest with them and you say man i got tough things in my life too and i can't fix them I need a savior to come and rescue me. But you know what? That doesn't mean Jesus is going to work things out so that you know, I have better friends or my homework gets done by magic and I don't have to do it or whatever. You can't tell your kids anything, but you can show them what a life bound to Christ looks like. You can show them what it means to be a sinner and, and embrace that truth and say, I am a broken piece of garbage. And how do I know that? Well, first, my body's falling apart. <laughs> I'm dying. So are you. Second, I can say, look at all the things I've, mistakes I've made. Look at the dumb things I've done. My goodness, if you're new here and, and you want a list of all the dumb things Pastor Luke has done, ask an elder. They're happy to tell you. <laughs> all the mistakes I've made. The, the, the stupid bonehead ideas I've had that have been shot down, they're all happy to tell you. But I'm not going to hide that from you. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm the perfect pastor. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to show you each and every day I depend on Jesus as much as anybody in here. He didn't fix all my problems, but, but he has fixed this one I've got. This one problem I've got. That I'm going to die. And he's going to give me eternal life. Amen. May the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to do question of the day really quick because I always forget about this part. Question of the day is, does God choose certain people to bless the world? 1 Corinthians 1, 26 to 29. You can take a picture of that really quick if you wanted to. This is all we're doing with question of the day, again, is bring this up with your kids while driving home or you're going out to brunch or lunch, ask them the question. If you don't have kids here, ask a friend, ask your spouse, ask somebody. But this question of the day is, is designed to just kind of let you think and kind of get an idea of some things. So with that, would you please stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have blessed all of us with your Son that the truth walked amongst us and we know the way, the truth, and the life. As we seek to understand the world better, grant to us humility that we might be wrong and we are probably wrong about a lot of things when it comes to the stuff of the world, but also when it comes to even, even our understanding of who you are. And I pray that you would continue to reveal who you are each and every day. What I have seen And what scriptures have said to each and every one of us is the truth about you is you are a gracious God who rescues us from death. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.